let's let's establish the program. Let's establish the World Cup of Hockey back, and let's have a forward-looking uh, schedule to see so people can be consistent with it. Fans love it. Players love it. It's important for us to do it. I think that right now, commenting on what's going on in the world, I mean, anything can, things can change and things can, different things can happen. So I think it's a little too, it's a little too early to talk about, you know, who's involved in the tournament or not. But I think we should get the tournament on paper and get the concept written more than a concept, start the conversation, really get it going, moving forward and what this will look like. And then obviously we have to deal with challenges that might come up as time goes on. That is the very Boston-sounding uh, Marty Walsh, the new executive director of the NHL Players Association, yesterday talking about one of the hot-button issues uh, around players. Now, escrow is obviously always a hot-button issue around players, but um, one of the front-burner issues for the uh, for the NHL players going back to last season and getting shut down and not going to the Olympics is international hockey. And that was one of the things that Marty Walsh was asked about at his uh, opening press conference yesterday. Uh, amid reporters both on Zoom and live in Toronto. You know, it's um, it, it's interesting. This has been become very much a player-driven initiative. Players very much wanted to go last season, as we all know, when Crosby was excited about playing with McDavid and Nathan McKinnon and Mitch Marner. And, you know, their American counterparts were, were the same, to say nothing of all the European players. Um, but this one, you know, international hockey... Geez, international hockey um, with the NHL has always been kind of like trying to trying to hold a handful of sand. Um, the intentions have always been there, but executing has always been a challenge. Now, if you're from my vintage, you grew up in those halcyon international hockey days of a, 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 a schedule that saw not just the World Championships, but the Olympics as well, and also the Canada Cup and then the World Cup of hockey. And coming out of the 0405 lockouts, one of the hues and cries was one of the things we're going to do as we redo this game right now with this new rules package and, hey, look at this shiny new logo that the NHL has is a sophisticated and consistent international schedule. That has not happened. We understand uh, the sensitivities from the ownership side about international hockey and injuries. We've seen that various times um, when players... Uh, come back from the Olympics injured, uh, whether it is someone like Dominic Hasek, whether it's someone like John Tavares. I mean, the injury stories are well told, and you can understand the skepticism that some owners have about allowing their elite-level players to play internationally and come back and aren't available for service in the NHL, certainly down the stretch and into the playoffs. I get that. There is, however, a lot of lip service paid to growing the game and doing the right thing for the game and, you know, keeping the best interests of the game in mind. Um, and, you know, Donald Fear, who was, uh, who was Walsh's predecessor with, uh, with the NHL Players Association, never really seemed to want to fight a CBA battle with the NHL, never seemed to want to really try to mine what was in the CBA and try to draw new money out for the players. It was almost as if the CBA was settled case law and the Players Association was going to have to go somewhere else to try to find more or additional revenue streams for the players. And the way that he always believed was international hockey. And I think that makes sense. But under Donald Fear and outside of the one World Cup that we saw a few seasons ago in Toronto, it really hasn't happened. There hasn't really been any type of concerted effort to put together a sophisticated and consistent schedule for international hockey, but this is being pushed hard by the players. This will happen. The next World Cup will happen um, because this is a front burner issue for the players and the executive director. Now, the Russia question is certainly out there. 
And that was, you know, uh, brought up yesterday with Marty Walsh. And obviously, I mean, you just heard the answer. We just want to get this thing on paper, see what it looks like, and then we'll deal with who's participating and perhaps more specifically, who is not participating. But it does very much seem as if there is a, um, a strong movement, whether it is with or without the Russians, to put together some type of international schedule here. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens when the, uh, when the first conversations happen between the NHL commissioner, Gary Bettman, and his executive director, NHLPA counterpart, Marty Walsh. Uh, escrow will be one of the issues. Um, we'll talk to Elliot about that. We talked about it on the podcast that came out this morning. Uh, escrow will be an issue, and so will um, international hockey. Coming up on today's program, uh, Jason Bukla is going to be dropping by from Sportsnet, has brand new draft rankings out. As much as we are looking for who's on top and clinching scenarios and getting into the playoffs and look at those Boston Bruins and how about those Vegas Golden Knights that just clinched as well, uh, we're also having a look at the race for the bottom and the race for Connor Bedard, Chicago Blackhawks, looking your direction, uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, looking your direction, San Jose, what are you doing winning all these games? Don't you know there's a Connor Bedard at stake? There's a, a lottery on the horizon here. Um, we'll talk to Bukla about some of the uh, the names that you'll be hearing in June in tennis in, in Nashville um, when it comes to the NHL draft. Certainly, Connor Bedard goes first overall, but then where does Adam Fantilli fit? And Fantilli, obviously, from, from the University of Michigan. And where do two other players, Leo Carlson, Swedish forward, who's made a lot of headlines this season, and Matvey Michkov, now, Mitchkov's skill set is elite, capital E, elite. But the question that everybody has about him is, where do you take him? He has a signed contract in the KHL. At what point, if maybe ever, does he come over to play in the National Hockey League? If you're selecting fourth, do you take Mitchkov? Fifth, do you take Mitchkov? Sixth, seventh, eighth. Ninth, tell me where to stop. I'm curious what Bukla has to say about where the right place or the safest place to take Mitchkoff would be. Soraya Tinker stops by as well from the Toronto Six. Uh, winners of the uh, Isobel Cup uh, yeah, earlier on this week against Minnesota. Uh, with that, we'll kick it off. Elliot Friedman on the other side. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Dave Randorf coming up at the bottom of the hour as well. Don't look now, but Tampa very much getting into playoff mode, one can say, going back to that Boston Bruins game last Saturday afternoon. In the meantime, Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts. Elliot, there's one thing that I cherish um, above many things around hockey these days, and that is whenever Daniel Sprong of the Seattle Kraken scores a goal... You get bothered about it by tweets and texts and DMs. This has very much become a thing, my love affair with Daniel Sprong. And somehow you get tortured about it. Somehow people continue to send you notes about Daniel Sprong. Do you have a thought on this one? I don't know if I would call it torture. I think it's kind of funny. Um, uh, I think it's a, a hilarious bit. And like I wrote last night, um, I think it's, uh, I, I don't know who I'm happier for, him or you, that <laughs> he reached the, the 20 uh, gold mark uh, this year. It's a, it's a great story, and it's a reminder that uh, life is about roles, and you've got to find uh, the place that uses you the best, understands how to use you the best. Um, some people might look at this and say, well, 
here's a player that's deserving of more air, uh, ice time. Yeah. Or, uh, but I think he's in a perfect spot, and I think the results show it. Yeah, I think um, you know, I think a lot of people there have some questions about his complete game. Not that everybody needs to be Patrice Bergeron or, or Mark Stone, Marion Hossa, or Yuri Lettinen, or Bob Gainey, but. Uh, there's no denying that this guy can score. And in the limited minutes that he has, um, that's what he's able to do for the, uh, for the Seattle Kraken. You know, w- one thing that I wanted to ask you about, there's some, some big picture stories and then there's a, a smaller snapshot here. It's a pretty quiet night around the NHL. The, the Wings and the Jets, the Flames and the Canucks, that's big. The Stars and the Coyotes, Jets and Red Wings are a big game as well as Calgary and Winnipeg mm-hmm. vie for a, for a wild card spot here. We'll, we'll get on that page in a second. But the Rangers are facing off against the Buffalo Sabres. And when new players make their debut, I'm always curious where teams insert them. Like, where is the right, like, what's the right game to put your brand new, you know, just recently college-signed player in for NHL game day? And even more complicated is what do you do with a goaltender? Now, Devin Levi is going to start tonight for the Buffalo Sabres against the New York Rangers. And you may look at this and say, what is Buffalo doing starting him against the New York Rangers? Do you know who's on this team? You know, why not play him against the Philadelphia Flyers with all due respect, Philadelphia tomorrow? Um, I wonder if there's an element of the Rangers are on a back to back and the Sabres have rested uh, for, was it two or, or three days here now? I'm not sure, but what do you expect tonight as Devin Levi? We've talked about him for so long. He's part of the Sam Reinhardt trade with the Florida Panthers. What do you expect out of Devin Levi? Well, first of all, I think in uh, if you're going to be successful in the National Hockey League, you have to be prepared to play in challenging circumstances. And uh, like, if, like if you're saying, okay, like first of all, I think a lot of people have talked about this guy. They're really excited for it. Uh, he's a talented guy. Um, I think if you're looking at it and saying, you know what, we have to put him in against, quote-unquote, an easier opponent as opposed to a dip, more difficult opponent, you're already saying to me on one level that you don't think he's ready. And I don't think the Buffalo Sabres want to think that or necessarily think that. I actually wondered, I initially heard he was supposed to play tomorrow and make his debut. The Sabres obviously did it today. The other thing I wondered too, Jeff, is tomorrow they're on the road. Tonight's a home game. Yep. And I, I kind of like that. I, I said, like, I, I don't care if the opponent's better. Or I don't care if you think there's more pressure at home. This is a top prospect. This is a, 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 a goaltender who people who really know the position are very excited about it, very curious about it. If you think he's as good as he has a chance to be, and a lot of people do, who cares who the opponent is? I actually like that they're letting the home fans see it. Mm. I think on some level, we're in the entertainment business. The Sabres aren't going to make the playoffs. Uh, their fans have been excited for the most part this year. They're like, how, how many days in a row, Jeff, are we getting tweets from Sabres fans? Have you heard about yeah. uh, Levi? Have you, uh, have you heard about Levi? When's he signing? Will he sign? Give give the people what they want. Reward them for their loyalty. Put them in goal when you're at home. I, yeah. I think that's the right call. You know, it looks like the other, I mean, he, he he was called up and he made the flight to to Winnipeg with the Detroit Red Wings. Looks like we might get our first look at Marco Casper as well. Yeah. He's a first-round draft pick, so he joins the, you know, the Siders and the Raymonds and the Edvinsons as, you know, he's a, he's a, I've kind of, I kind of looked at him as, and, and I say he's, 
sort of a, 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 a an Austrian version of Brad Marchand. He's not the biggest guy out there, uh, but he's a little bit of a wrecking ball. He's a skilled guy. Uh, it brings an element that not a lot of teams have right now. Um, the Detroit Red Wings, just when you look at, you know, I don't know if you want to turn this into like a United Colors of, of Benetton ad, but they really are putting a really diverse group together here, whether it's German, Austrian, Sweden, go right down the list, Canadian, American. You know, there's sort of, a, as I look at the Red Wings, a real sort of United Nations feel about the Detroit Red Wings that I don't necessarily see with every team in the NHL. I don't know if it's deliberate or accidental, and this is just who pops up at the draft and who Steve Eiserman is interested in. But I think that the, you know, very quietly here, the Detroit Red Wings are kind of putting together the United Nations of hockey. Do you not feel the same way, Elliot? United Colors of Benetton. What a pull. <laughs> we're 80s, baby. You and me are 80s kids. Come on. I, I knew exactly what you were talking about it when, you, when, I, when you said it. And I was like, wow, I haven't, I haven't heard that one in a while. It'll be interesting if yeah. that kid gets to play, man. Like, 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 it's a tough situation for Detroit. Back half of a back-to-back. Yep. Uh, in Winnipeg, a desperate team. But look, if, if you think a kid's a player, put him in there and just find out what you've got. Why not? Um, yeah. I mean, those are huge games tonight: Detroit, Winnipeg, and and uh, and the Calgary game at home. Uh, Calgary game in Vancouver. I mean, just massive, massive games. Let's get there. Let 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 let's get there because these are the big two on the board. Um, you know, Stars and Coyotes wrap it up tonight at ten thirty Eastern, but. You know, we've got, um, we've got Canucks and Flames on Ontario West, East, and Pacific. Um, it's the Calgary Flames and the Vancouver Canucks, also the Red Wings and the Winnipeg Jets. And up for grabs here is a final wild card spot. And, oh boy, things are not great in Manitoba right now no. uh, between the players and the coach. Um, you know, you've written about it. We've talked about it on the podcast. Um, Calgary Flames, meanwhile, are, are on a nice little run right now and starting to make some noise and bang a few drums. First of all, the Winnipeg Jets. I'll just ask you bluntly, what's going on with the Winnipeg Jets, Elliot? We thought not too long ago they were home and tucked away. And we were talking about, you know, the last hurrah of this group and their final playoff push. We might not even get to the playoffs. Well, I mean, the odds are, the odds are still with them. I mean, the one thing that they have is it's like Florida in the East. They, they got the tiebreaker, right? Yeah. Um, it's it's very unlikely that Calgary and, and or Nashville is going to catch them for regulation wins. So that's you know that's one thing. Like they've got the best math, they've got the tiebreaker. Whoever beats them, they're going to have to beat them outright. And so that's the one thing you can kind of uh, hang your hat on. Like I, I don't know. If, like look, like they, they just came off a really bad loss. Um, you know, bonus frustration was naked. You could see it. Um, you know, the, not what he said, how he looked. Um, like there, there was no hiding the way that Rick Bonus felt after that loss in, in San Jose. Yep. And, you know, the one thing I was talking about with someone this morning, we were talking about this game, is that it's almost like in Winnipeg right now, somebody's got to do something just to lighten the mood. And, you know, because, you know, I wrote today in my notes about how, you know, they kind of got the extra day in Los Angeles and, uh, and they still lost. And, um, and if you're an organization that really upsets you, 
And, you know, th this person said to me, the thing that concerns him the most about that is that the Jets were trying to lighten the mood with their players. Okay, here's I, I, we're in a race here. It's not going great, but, you know, we're going to try to give you the extra day. And, um, it, you know, it didn't work. The result on, on Tuesday night was really negative, uh, even though it had, even though Reimer still on his head. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that, you know, he, he was looking back at and he was looking at a lot of the quotes that have come out of Winnipeg the past couple of weeks. And like just for everyone, it's it's very um, it's very dour, and it's hard to change that um, when you're when the pressure's on, you're not going well, um, and but you've got to find a way. You know, you you have to do what you can to try to. I mean, you got to play better. That's number one. Um, you you've got to compete. You, you've got to do all the things that got you into this position, at least to make the playoffs in the first place. But, you know, the one thing that he kind of talked about was there just seems to be like an endless, um, like there just seems to be a big cycle of, uh, of negative coming out of like everybody. And he said, the one thing you have to do is you have to find a way to break that. And it's a hard thing to do because nobody's in a great mood and things aren't going well. But you have to find a way to do it because you like like the one thing about the Flames is, and I, and I wrote it today. I, I think after they lost that game to the Kings, that was about the same time that our podcast came out where I talked about Cogri being yep. vocal about his frustration. Yeah, and I heard that that some of the players were like, "Okay, enough's enough. There's there's too much there, there's too much of this this year. Um, people, you know, complaining, people being upset." And maybe you have a right to be upset, Jeff, but we've got to stop. Like, we have a chance here to make the playoffs, to save our season, to get ourselves going, and that's what we have to be concerned about. And, you know, they've won three out of four, and they've given themselves a chance here. Um, you know, they still have – they need help. Like, they do not have control of their destiny, but they've kind of said, for a little while here, we're putting all this stuff behind us and we're concentrating on winning games. And I think that's kind of what you have to do in Winnipeg. You have to say, okay, um, everything, not everything's been so rosy. Not everything's been easy. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's been quite difficult. But we have to throw that out, and we have to find the right attitude to win games. And I just think that that's what you have to do. You know, I'm so with you on the idea of, you know, needing someone to lighten the mood. Everyone right now gripping it hard, nerves are close to the skin, all those cliches apply. You know, whenever I talk about players that are good in the room, there's always, you know, one person that I always remember saying to me, uh, Jeff, that's fine, but they don't flood the room. And I get that. Like, I understand all that. But you do, you do, you do, need, you do need people that make it that make it fun to come to work. And we've talked about Dustin Bufflin before, and he's always, he always seemed like that guy for the Winnipeg Jets, you know, lighten the mood, take it easy. Uh, it's nice seeing pictures appear now of, of Dustin Bufflin online at various, mm -hmm. you know, uh, fishing trips and fishing competitions. And um, I miss seeing that big smile. And I wish, I, I miss seeing that big guy. And I wish seeing that, I miss seeing that player um, in the NHL, but he always seemed like that guy. Um, for the Winnipeg Jets here. Uh, where are the Flames at? You know, you mentioned after that L.A. game, no more excuses. And I think we're all wondering, you know, can they do this? Um, mm -hmm. This season where it's been stops and starts and, you know, they can't get the car out of the driveway. Oh, I can't even get the car out of the garage. 
Um, mm-hmm. Some nights not being able to to string wins together all season long. It was not supposed to go this way. Brad Treliving brings in Kadri and the the big trade for um, uh, with uh, with Matthew Kachuk, uh, bringing in Mackenzie Weger and Jonathan Huberto. This is not the way that they that they plan this. Uh, what 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 if anything gives you any hope that Calgary can actually pull this off? Uh, you, you know, I think the, you know the reason I think Cal, the one way that Calgary can pull this off, and the other thing I didn't mention, not only does Winnipeg have the better math and the more the first tiebreaker, but I think they've got the best goalie, and uh, so that's another thing about the Jets. However. In the last couple of games, you know, Markstrom has started to look better. I, I think, yep. you know, that's the one thing. Like, I just refuse to believe that Markstrom's level of play is the way he's played most of this year. Like, to me, that Agreed. that's just not him. It's not him. He's better than that. Now, I believe in bigger sample sizes over smaller sample sizes, so I refuse to say he's cured. You know, he's back to yep. Vesna runner of Markstrom. But I, I do believe that this is a better indication of who he truly is. Like, like that, that's the way, like, the, the one thing about the, the Flames all year is, in a, and, you know, in a lot of games they've played, they, they've carried the flow of play, and they've been beaten by two things. Giving up goals on the first shot, I think it's happened eight times this year. Mm-hmm. Generally bad goaltending or poor shot quality. They, they are, you know, Justin Bourne is a guy who's written about uh, this quite a bit this year. Is that they get a lot of shots, but they're not a lot of great shots. Mm-hmm. But generally, I think that they're a team that has carried the play in a lot of games they've lost. So to me, there's there's a good team there. It's just they got to get better. They got to get saves, and they've got to do a better job of getting chances. Now I haven't looked at the shot quality the last couple of games. But I do know this, they're getting saves. So if I'm the Flames and I'm saying we're going to make the playoffs, I'm thinking we're going to make the playoffs because we've been a decent team all year that's had bad luck. And one of those items of bad luck is we can't stop the puck. And now appears that's changing. That's what I would hang my hat on. All right, a couple of things from your um, from your piece at Sportsnet.ca, your, your most recent blog, and, and one thing caught my attention, and I, I want to add to it here, I'll add another layer to this onion. Um, at the general manager's meetings, uh, an idea during the three-on-three overtime, no passbacks uh, over the red line. Yeah. To which one of the things that, that I've wondered about, considering this is, you know, it's not five-on-five overtime, it's not four-on-four overtime, it's three-on-three overtime. We're taking quote-unquote, traditional hockey and sort of throwing it out the window here. Um, and when you notice, like, how overtime is played to begin with, do you, yeah. know, do you know if there's been any conversation about getting rid of the lines altogether? I think it's a thing that's come up before. I just don't know that there's much traction for it. I, I think it has been suggested, though. By the way, I have to yeah. say that I did get some texts today from people who thought I was really mean to Amal on the pod today. So, I, because because he didn't get a picture with Ryan Reynolds last night. So I was gonna say I, like, go go hunt down this like international star and get a picture with him. Uh, you're in a rank of like with like fifteen or sixteen thousand other people. Go hunt them down and get a picture, or don't come back well, for the podcast. I, I, okay, like you know, first of all, let me just say this, okay. 
I don't think that that bad of a request because it would be something he'd remember for the rest of his life. That's number one. Yeah. And number two, it's, his, his excuse was really flimsy. He wanted to be a good, uh, a good corporate citizen of Sportsnet and eat popcorn. Like, that's kind of <laughs> lame. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> but they were like, man, did you shred him today? Anyway, um, you know, I, like, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a no offside overtime I, I, just to see what it looks like. Um, well, you want to hear my but, think, you want to hear my thinking on sure. it? Of course you do. Um, so my sure. thinking on it is, they do three on three overtime because they want the games over fast. That's why they don't do the five on five. Like they don't want to get to the shootout here. They don't want to stretch yeah. this thing out. They don't want to get to the shootout. So why even yeah. have lines at all? I mean, you're really you really have to squint to look at this three on three overtime and say that's hockey as we're used to it. So why not just yeah. go the next step? And say, look, we know we want, we know everybody wants the games over as quickly as possible. Why are we even bothering with lines at this point? So let me ask you a question: What would you rather see, an overtime with no lines where you can throw the puck back, or the overtime as it is, but you can't throw the puck back? Uh, I mean, I'm not really bothered either way. I mean, that's fine, but to me, it it looks like a, a, a classic half measure. You know, like, oh, we need to juice the goal scoring. Well, let's do something with stick positioning at the face-offs. Well, yeah, it'll help a little bit. But, I mean, mm-hmm. if you really want to do something about it, then take a big bite. Right? This is, this yeah, is, this I mean, is like, and, and, and here's, you know, let, me, let me go one step further for you. We talked on the podcast a lot about the American Hockey League and the situation that Scott Housen finds himself in right now as the president of that league. One of the things about yeah. the AHL is, that had always been kind of, and I've always looked at the AHL, certainly under Dave Andrews, as a cool league where they tried things, where yes. things were new. Now, I understand you don't want to make it too different because players get called up and you don't want someone playing for four months with one very specific set of rules, and then they get called up to the NHL and they have to relearn the game or things are different and your instincts are all wrong. So I understand there's a sensitivity there. But should that not be, I mean, if just, just as an idea... Could that not be something that the American Hockey League experiments with? Like they were the first ones to do that, to do that overtime, the, the, to do the shootout, right? And it was five shooters. NHL, they did three, but they were the first yeah. ones to do that. Like that yeah. used to be the league where they tried things. It doesn't really happen anymore at the American Hockey League level. And I'm just wondering if something like the three-on-three and getting rid of the lines or doing the, you know, no passbacks is something they can, like that's something the American Hockey League can use and kind of hang their hat on and say, look, we're the league that tries different things. Maybe they get royal assent to the NHL one day. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. Like, I, you know, I think we have to get to a place where we've got to be willing. Like, I used to like the summer research and development camp. Same. I, I heard they want, they want to bring it back. I've heard there's been some talk about that. Like, I'd like to see these things. And I think, um, like, I think there's a certain amount of the fan base that would watch this stuff. Like, what does this look like? Like, you know, for example, one of the things in the, the NBA that they started doing this year, and I know when I was in uh, Florida for the All-Star game, I saw it on the NHL network uh, in the States, is that, you know, they, they had, you know, in, in, in junior hockey, there's Connor Bedard. Yep. In the NBA, there's the, the young French kid, Victor Wembanyama, who's going to be the number one pick. And the, the NBA started putting his games on the NBA's TV. Great. And they would promote it. Like, you want to see Wembyana? Here he's going to be on TV. And when we, were in the, when we were in Florida for the All-Star game, 
a group of us sat down one night and Bedard's game for Regina was on TV. And like, I think people are interested in that. Your fans will find that. And if you want to put something in, in an AHL game and, you know, there's AHL TV, which is really good. And, yeah. you know, you can, your fans will find that they'll watch it or the, the, the key clips will be viral. And um, I, I like that, Jeff. I, I really do. I think, I think people want to see this stuff. I think they want to see what it looks like. And at the very least, even if you don't get huge audiences, you're going to get viral clips. And yeah. in this day and age, like the World Baseball Classic, look how much we oh. saw that. I think that's very important. Absolutely. Um, you know what else I want, to, uh, I want to see more of? And we'll, we'll, we'll end on this one. I want to see more Edmonton LA games. Oh, jeez. That had the... I went to the, that Ottawa-Philly game last night. I, it only that was wild. But, that was wild but game. Was, <laughs> yeah, the only thing I didn't like about that game is, like I said, I don't like what I'm hearing. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't like that. But yeah. um, uh, uh, it's but those games last night, like those crowds, they were frenzied. It was awesome. You know, the loudest building I think I was ever in was... The 2006 Edmonton run to the final. I went to games against Anaheim yeah. and games against San Jose. Loudest building I've ever been in, Elliot. Do you have a? Do you have an equivalent? The loudest building you've ever been in? Because I'll tell you, last night Edmonton, LA, last night that was a loud building. That was a loud building. You know, I like. Uh, I remember like Raptors uh, playoffs against the 76ers, the Carter Iverson series. That was a really loud building. I remember how uh, loud that was. Uh, I would say that there's been a couple, like, I would say going, like, Edmonton, like, the game seven of that series, Edmonton, Carolina, and the Hurricanes fans stood for the whole game. Whole thing, yeah. Like, that was, that was, that was pretty incredible. I remember uh, how good that was. I have to, I have to say that, the Vancouver Boston series that was two arenas where the crowds were pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. I would say those were those were phenomenal. Um, I, I think those are kinds of like the the situations that I would look at. And yeah, I will say this: like this is a this is a wild poll, Jeff. Okay. But at at the two thousand, I want to say it was the Olympics in Italy. Okay. I I went to go see uh, a weightlifter from Iran who was the strongest man in the world at the time, and that was for a lot of different reasons. That was the craziest crowd I've ever seen. That was the craziest crowd you ever saw. Yeah, I mean, for I went a lot of reasons. I went to. Uh, do you want to share what those reasons are? Well, you know, it's it's some of it was inherently uh, was was. It was very political, and I'd be I'd be worried about saying the wrong thing and causing an international incident. <laughs> okay, but, you know, like first of all, he was he, his name was uh, Hussein Rezazade, and right. he was an incredibly charismatic athlete. But just the crowd there, like it was, they were really into him, and he had this chant that he would do when he knew he was going to be able to lift the weight. And the place, the, the fan base that was there to see him, they went absolutely berserk. It was, it was kind of a weird feeling, I have to say, to be perfectly honest. But it was, it was something like I've never seen a crowd like that. 
just as an aside, uh, because I've always I've always wanted the. I think you and I have talked. I'm not sure if we actually we've talked about this before. Do you know if much like amateur wrestlers, um, weightlifters uh, after their last lift when they retire, did they leave their shoes uh, on the mat and then walk off? Do you know if if weightlifters do that like amateur wrestlers do? Because I've always I've always you know, I've always thought no, that the I visual don't. the visual of it's someone's last game in the NHL. Uh, they skate to center ice, take their skates off, and walk off just in their socks. Just the visual of the skates at center ice to me just would look like such a it's such a beautiful and iconic shot that's waiting to happen. I don't know if weightlifters do. I know they do that in in amateur wrestling. I know they do that in MMA as well. I've seen UFC um, fighters do that. Do you know if uh, if that's ever? That's a I thing don't for know weightlifting. That. Yeah. Now you make me feel bad because for those Olympics, and now I remember it was 2006, <laughs> wrestling was my responsibility. So <laughs> 17 years later, you've told everybody what a bad job I did, and I didn't know everything <laughs> I was supposed to know. Uh, yeah, well, listen, you spent like a good five minutes roasting Amel on the podcast, so consider that, yeah. pay- consider that payback yeah, some 17 years later. Good. Yes. Yes, that's good. You're right. And way to stand up for your producer, Jeff. Good I am. job. Yeah, he makes me sound a lot better than I am. Uh, all right, uh, Elliot, good stuff. We'll watch for you tomorrow on the Magic Eyeball Hockey Night in Canada. Leafs sends Hurricanes, Habs, Ducks, and Oilers is the late one. Thanks, Rich. All right, buddy. Take care. There he is, Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts.